crown him Lord of all medley. Let's stand together and worship in song. <laughs>
First Baptist Church, Sun City West, I hope and pray that you are ready to worship Almighty God today. It sounds like it because of the wonderful music that you've already been listening to and participated in as you've lifted your praise to Almighty God. This morning, if you're a guest for the very first time or if you've never filled out one of our guest cards in the pew in front of you, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to fill that out and drop it in one of the offering boxes as you leave the service today. We would certainly appreciate that because we want to acknowledge your come today and worship Almighty God. We're going to focus not only on the words of the songs, but also Psalm 90. It's a great message on living wisely. Life is, uh, is fleeting, isn't it? We look back, we think about our teenage years and the early adulthood, and it seemed like just yesterday. At least for most of us, right? <laughs> a few bumps along the way. But here we are. What does God want us to do? That's our focus today. Let's pray together, and we'll continue our time of worship and celebration. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity you've given us to come and worship you. Father, I pray that we've prepared our hearts, our minds. I pray, God, that today we'll not only sing words to music, but, Father, they're words that have meaning in our heart and soul. And I pray that we will sing them out, giving you the honor, praise, and glory. I pray, God, that as we look at Psalm 90 today, that we'll get an understanding of what the psalmist was communicating and how it can affect each one of us every single day. <laughs> Father, I pray also for so many, not only in our congregation, but Father, as we look across our country that are in great need. So many different opportunities to minister, issues to try to resolve. Father, at the same time, it seems like that we can't do anything. And yet, when we read your word, we realize that as we stand strong, we stand on our faith, we focus our attention upon the light of the gospel of Christ and compassionate care, that, Father, we can make a difference right here and across our nation, and we ask for the power of your spirit to move in our nation so that, God, there would be a great awakening, that there would be a revival. God, I pray it would start with us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
first married. <laughs> we were uh, in the car together coming home from church, and I said to him, I wish I could pray like you do. And I said, well, I just wish that I could pray and open my mouth and say what was on my mind and just, just talk. And it just sounds natural and so easy. And I said, how do you do it? And he said, well, when he was in elementary school, his grandmother had come to live with them. And uh, for those of you who are in the ambassador class know all about his grandmother. So you understand this. And one day, she was in her room, and he heard her talking. And he was puzzled by it. And so he went into the room, and he said, Grandmother, who are you talking to? She said, my best friend. And he looked around, and there was nobody there. And she said, no, no, I'm talking to God. I'm talking to God. He's my, he's my best friend. And she said to Bill, I talk to him every day. I talk to him all the time. I talk to him about everything, no matter what it is. Because my daily conversations with God what keep me going. And so that was how Bill was trained to, to deal with prayer, just to talk to God as if he was having a conversation with his best friend. And these were words and advice that he gave to me when I was trying to come up with a way to deal with my prayer life. And I said, I don't think I can do that. I just don't know what to say. I know you don't believe that. But <laughs> I... Uh, what to say, and he said, just just talk to him, talk about your day, talk about the good things, talk about the bad things, talk about your highs and your lows and your thoughts and your dreams and your wishes and your concerns. And you don't just have to talk to God when you're angry or you need help or you want something from him or you want to complain. And I said, I get it, but it's weird because there's nobody talking back. And he said, oh, yes, there is. Yes, there is somebody talking back. That God's in the silence. And even if he's not saying words that you can hear, he's speaking to you. And sometimes the answer is in actions or it's in events. Or sometimes the fact that there is no answer is the answer. And we all have experienced that. And during this period of time that I realized that I probably had not had a personal relationship with God. I mean, I knew about him. I knew about him, but I did not intimately know him. Now, if you've heard the quote, without God, man is just dust. You can see why then at that point I, I, I thought that all I was and had been most of my life up to that dust. I was without a relationship with God, even though I thought I had one, and therefore I was dust. I thought I had a personal relationship, but I didn't. So at that point, I vowed to rebuild my prayer life and act on my desire to have a relationship with God through prayer, intense prayer, 
conversational prayer, a praising prayer, apologetic prayer, glorifying prayer, honoring prayer, thankful prayer. And this 25-year journey since that day in the car helped me realize that some of the things that had happened in my life when I thought God hadn't been listening or he hadn't been answering me, he actually was waiting for me to stop
so much. Time. Time, as we discussed just recently, beginning of the service, seems to come and go very quickly. We measure time in different ways, but in reality, time has always just been time. But we found new ways to put it in increments. We measure hours, minutes, seconds. These days, we can even measure nanoseconds. It seems like time that we have the ability, as time marches on, to become slaves to the devices that we have created to give us ideas of time and schedules and calendars. Four times a day, my alarm goes off. That tells me that there's some medicine to take. I talk to senior adults. The thing I hear from most of our retirees is, I am just so busy right now, I'll have to try to fit it into my schedule. <laughs> Today, I think sometimes we think through the process and we are dominated by time. We live in a con time conscious age and to that age, God has something very timeless to say to us. And Jan, a beautiful job with the reading of scripture he reminds us to pray, and specifically in verse 12, he says, Teach us to number our days aright that we might gain the heart of wisdom. That should be our prayer. God, help us to understand how effectively to use the time that you've given us. Give us wisdom. Now, that stands in a contrast because it shows that we are frail and our time is short because as you go through the early part of this psalm, Psalm 90, you come to the realization that he tells us a lot about how quickly time goes. It's part of that meditation that verse 12 was in, the first 12 verses. It tells us that our time is short, we're frail, and we have the timelessness of God. It begins with the assertion that God has always been. Before the mountains were created, he was here. Before the earth was spoken into existence, he was in existence. He always has been, and he always will be. As verses 1 and 2 says, he is everlasting to everlasting. It is hard for our finite minds to grasp this infinite truth. But he's always been. And he always will be. Compared to God, we're weak and frail. And we come to an understanding that time is no big deal with him, but it is with us. Verse 3 specifically talks about, as the psalmist wrote, that you turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men, or O mortals. You see, the Bible declares in both Genesis 3 and Ecclesiastes 12 that from the beginning that we, he created us out of dust. And to dust we're going to return. 
reminds me of the, uh, of the boy that went to Sunday school and heard for the very first time from his Sunday school class that mankind was made out of dust. <laughs> he ran home, he was so excited, he tugged on his mom's uh, skirt and said, Mom, 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 did you know that man was made out of dust? And she said, oh yes, yes, obviously as a mom, she knows everything. <laughs> she said, now you go ahead and play. So he went into the room and he began playing with a ball and the ball rolled under the bed and he climbed under the bed and he saw all this dust and he got so excited he came back to his mom and he said, Mom, Mom, there's a man under my bed. I don't know if he's coming or if he's going. <laughs> to God, time, which means so much to us, means nothing. He is timeless. In verse 4, he talks about that a thousand years is like a day. What did you do yesterday? Man, it went by quick, didn't it? And to God, a thousand years is like that. He also, the psalmist said, that it was like a watch in the night. A watch was a segment of time that uh, that a sentry was on duty either in the city or at a, uh, at a camp where they guarded the walls or the camp uh, so that uh, intruders would not come. The Jews divided the night into three watches. The first watch was from sunset till 10 at night. The second watch was from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And the third watch was from 2 a.m. to sunrise. Now I am sure that the early morning watch seemed like a long time to those who were fulfilling that responsibility. But when you think about it, four hours, it comes and goes so quickly. It does to God. A thousand years passes as quickly as a shift of a sentry guarding a wall. Four hours. You know, against the backdrop of the eternal nature of God is the set finality of our lives. If you go on and look at verses 5 through 9, he begins to describe, uh, and in fact, the writer uses four analogies to describe the brevity and the frailty of life. He compared our lives to a, uh, to a flood, to a dream, to withered grass, and to a story. Have you ever seen a person swept away by a flood? My mind always goes back to the uh, tsunami a few years ago in Sri Lanka. We're watching on television this tsunami coming in and, and people got pretty close to the shore. They were taking pictures on rocks and other places and all of a sudden that wave, tidal wave hit and swept them before our eyes out into the water. And they were gone that quickly. He says, that's, that's the way our lives are, how quickly things change. Next, our days are compared to a dream. Now, the writer of, of, uh, of the book here, he uses the word sleep and death. But I think the best translated term is the word dream. Do you dream much? 
You know, I, I used to, and I'm talking used to, I just a, a month or so ago, man, I tell you what, I, I'd, I'd hit, my, my head would hit the pillow. Within two or three minutes, I was gone. I didn't dream much. Last month or so, man, I tell you, this was some weird dreams. I'm going to have to stop eating, you know, certain things, I guess. <laughs> if you've ever dreamt much, especially if there were people chasing you, or if you were running from a monster, you might say, I've never had that. Well, boy, you are blessed. But if you've ever done that, you, you are scared to death, and it seems like that that dream takes the entire night. It is exhausting when you get up the next morning. But scientists and researchers tell us that dreams actually only happen for just a few seconds. The psalmist was trying to, to get across that that's the way our life is. It seems long at times, but it's brief, like a few seconds. It passes as quickly as a dream. Third, our life is compared to grass. It flourishes in the morning. It's cut at, at uh, noonday, and it is completely withered by the evening. That's how our lives are. We quickly lose the vitality of our teenage years. We're so busy and moving forward in our, our adult years with our careers and our children. And then we grow old and then we die. These verses don't give a lot of great encouragement, do they? But what the psalmist is trying to get across is life is brief. Finally, he compares our life to a story. In verse 9 he says, All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The King James Version translates it, we spend our years as a tale that is told, a story. I wonder if this verse furnished inspiration for Shakespeare's line, life's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. How quickly it goes. The point is that the psalm says stories have a beginning. They have a moral aspect of them. And then they are quickly gone. All four of these analogies pick life, predict and depict life as fleeting, as passing, as frail. God is eternal. We are temporal. The psalmist is trying to bring that line together so that we understand where we stand. There are some that through the course of history have been powerful rulers. Very wealthy people over the course of time thinking that they, they just were going to live and live and live. The reality is that we all are going to come and go. In fact, the psalmist, if you look at verses 10 and 11, give us great assurances. He says, the ordinary that we can hope for is 70 years, 80 if we have strength and if we have health. Well, some of you have gone way beyond that, so you must have super health. <laughs> but we don't go a long ways over the prediction of 10 and 11. He says even the life that we live, if it's beyond that, or even the years that we live, they're filled with toil and tears. Our, our strength seems to be sapped, our, our labor, our sorrow, 
and then we soon die. In light of these sobering truths, ones that quite frankly are kind of discouraging, kind of depressing at times, he wants to drive home a point, and that point centers around verse 12. Because these facts of life, they drive the psalmist to his knees in prayer for wisdom to know best in the short time that he is here, that we are here, <coughs> that we live life at its best. Verse says, 12 again says, teach us to number our days aright that we might gain God, help us to know in the midst of the reality and our embracing and understanding the brevity of life, how we can live it to its fullest, to its best. And so with that in mind, what does it mean to live wisely today? How at this stage in our lives can we take the time that we have left and can we do it very best. How can we live wisely? Well, I think the psalmist gives us three marks to set as our goals. The first mark of wise living is to live life every moment of life to the fullest. <coughs> Don't let time slip away. The psalmist prayed that in verse 14 that we might sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Even with the hardships that we have, the difficulties that we face, we still need to take the time. And we need to, to walk along the path, even in those darkest times, to sing for joy and to be glad. To be glad that the good times have been here. That our loved ones we're connected with. That he's blessed us with a good life, even though there are bumps along the way, difficulties, whether they be physically or, or mentally or psychologically or financially, that we come to the place that we sing for joy and be glad in this time that we have. The reason why many people find it so hard to be happy is that they, they see the past as better than it was. And they see the present as worse than it is. And they see the future as finer than it will be. We don't need to live in the past. We don't need to look toward the future. We need to see the reality of today. And we need to live life today. And in doing so, if we will do that, we will be able to sing songs of joy and be glad all our days. Because we take the day and the moments cherish them and we relish them because soon they will slip away I tell people all the time I say you know my body says something totally different but in my mind I'm still 27 years old <laughs> there's still a lot of vitality I'm still out on the softball field playing softball I'm still doing all the things that I used to do the old body says you just can't do that mind remembers. God has helped me and reminding me the importance of seizing and squeezing the 
opportunities for today. Because I think that as we look at each moment and each day, we don't have, we do not have tomorrow to counsel. We have today. I'm sure that some of those convictions that God's been working in my mind with these days probably naturally come with the aging process. By whatever reason, I'm increasingly aware of how quickly time slips away. It seems like only yesterday that we moved to Seattle, a place we were going to be for ten and a half years, and my kids were aged five and two and a half. And it seems like yesterday that they continued to kind of tug on my sleeve as preschooler to say, hey, Dad, let's go do this, and Dad, let's go do this, and let's go do this, and yet my mind was focused upon my work. You see, there were always sermons to prepare and committee meetings to attend. There was always the focus of people to counsel and visits to make. There were always things that needed to happen. And I think about how those things, those days, that I would put them off, slipped through my hands. Fortunately for me, maybe out of necessity, when I got into elementary school, some of those things changed. I began to take a little more time off and began to spend more time with them at uh, school events and other things. And I was able to recapture some of those, but there were so many that I missed. I have determined that with these grandchildren that we have, and we're forced, uh, blessed and fortunate to have them right in this area, that I'm not going to miss those times because they're too fleeting. It goes by so quickly. And that's the way it is with life. I think if I could live my life over again, I, I, um, I might agree and, uh, with author Robert Hastings that I would stop keeping track of all the miles. And I would start rushing around so many times. Probably instead, I would uh, probably climb more mountains. <laughs> I'd probably see more of the country than I've seen. I'd probably eat more than just vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Although homemade vanilla ice cream is the very best. <laughs> I'd probably watch more sunsets and actually see them. I'd probably laugh more and not be so serious. I'd probably spend a lot more time with those that I love. You see, I've learned that life has to be lived as we go along. We take the time to enjoy here in our Sun City West and the region area, the beautiful sunrises and sunsets that we have. Beautiful weather most of the year, the wildlife, the mountains, just beyond the horizon. There are things that we can do and enjoy. Friendships that we can hold on to. Loved ones that we share every moment with. I think that it is part of our daily responsibilities that we embrace those things and not become so busy and so preoccupied that we fail to enjoy to live every single day at its fullest.
That's what he wants us to do. The psalmist secondly said the second mark of wise living is to get to know God better every single day. Verses 16 and 17, he says, May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Here, the psalmist, he prays that the work of God and the glory of God and the beauty of God will be more and more apparent to us with every single passing day. That we just don't look at, at, at life as we see it here temporally. But we focus upon knowing God. You see, knowing God is essential to a full and meaningful life and one that is living wisely. Not a one of us will achieve. But we need to do the best that we can to know him intimately. And have that continuing love relationship with him. A few weeks ago, I... Uh, spoke of Pascal, the French physicist and philosopher. You remember he said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled with any created thing but only by God made known through Christ Jesus. We have the ability to have that Nothing fits right if we don't. One of the leading psychiatrists in Europe wrote a letter to a friend, and here's what he said. Those psychiatrists who are not superficial have come to the conclusion that the mass neurotic misery of the world could be termed a neurosis of emptiness. Men cut themselves off from their roots, from God. And life turns empty, meaningless, and without purpose. When God goes, goals go. When goals go, meaning goes. And when meaning goes, values go, and life turns bad on our hands. We must get back to our roots. And the root is a relationship with the one who created us. And to get to know him in depth. Otherwise, we find emptiness. We find meaningless. We, we lack purpose in life. We're, we're like a, a boat without a rudder. H.G. Wells, the famous historian and philosopher, confessed at age 61, I have no peace. All of life is at the end of its tether. Think one as smart as H.G. Wells could have found that God-shaped vacuum. Ralph Burton, one of the top cartoonists of the nation, a number of years ago, he left this note pinned to his pillow before taking his own life. I have gone from wife to wife and from house to house, visited great countries of the world. But I am fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours per day. Emptiness, meaninglessness, not having purpose. Listen, we cannot live apart from God. We can exist 
without him. And we can mark time without him, but we cannot know life apart from knowing him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father except through me. The only way to have life, true life, is through that intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. So part of why is living is coming to know God personally through Christ and growing in that relationship, not staying at the same spiritual level we were at when we gave our lives to Christ, but growing in our intimacy with him. Not just cognitively as far as just information about him, but knowing him with the heart, understanding it, and living it out in our lives. That's what he wants. The third mark of wise living is giving yourself to a meaningful and worthwhile work. Verse 17, the last part says, establish the work of our hands for us. Oh, yes, establish the work of our hands. That term establish literally means to give or to make firm. His prayer is for God to make a lasting, enduring quality to his life. Something that we say, I have purpose. And I'm leaving a legacy. Since life is so short, and since death is so certain, we might expect the psalmist to have just thrown up his hands and said, why do anything at all? Let's just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But that's not what he did. He said the opposite. Since life is so short and life is fleeting, I want to give myself to that which is lasting and permanently satisfying. There is a desire for permanence within every single one of us. And the nearer that we come to the end of life, the more that we want our lives to count for that which lives beyond us. For those of us here, it is to do everything we can to finish strong. Not just to, to, to satisfy the desires that we like, but it's to finish strong for the kingdom. Something that is beyond us. Something that is not going to die when we die. That is not going to cease to exist when we cease to exist. Many times I've heard people say there's just got to be more to life than just making a living. And I think in our context there's got to be more to life than just trying to figure out ways to stay busy in retirement. You see, people really want their lives to count for something. The best things in life are not things. Life at its best is when, is when we are committing ourselves to a lasting and noble cause, one that is focused upon eternity. The real measure of a person's life is not duration, it's donation. We need to pray along with the martyred missionary Jim Elliott, who said, I, I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Jesus. A full one. And for most of us, we've lived a full life. The question is, have we lived a full life for him? Something that's going to go beyond ourselves. Paul Bear Bryant was the winningest coach in the history of college football when he retired. 
He accumulated through his team some 323 wins in his long career. The week before his, the last game that he ever coached, a reporter asked him specifically, if what would you do if you had your life to live over again? Bear Bryant said, I would try to be a better Christian. In the final seconds, ticking off from the scoreboard of life, being the winningest coach in college football history was not even on the scale. What was on the scale was knowing God and living for him. That was most significant to this man. Someone put it, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The scripture talks about that. Things that are are built with wood, straw, stubble, those kind of things are going to be burned away. But those things that are noble, those things that are built for the kingdom, those legacies that are left will live forever because they are changing the lives of people everywhere. So part of wise living is to give yourselves to God and his service make sure that it's focused upon things that are eternal. There are a lot of good causes out there touch the lives of people. We need to engage in them. But we need to engage for us in things that Christ spoke about. Leave that kind of legacy. I placed a uh, a large stack of $1 bills over on a table. And another table I put a large stack of $1,000 bills. And I said, listen, you have 30 seconds. I want you to go and I want you in that 30 seconds, everything as much as you can gather in 30 seconds is yours. Which table do you think that you would go to? Well, I don't know about you, because nobody said anything. I'd be at the $1,000 table. Okay. Why is that? Because it would be, it would be foolish not to, if you're just looking at the values. Let's talk about spiritually. You see, when you're having that money, you had a limited amount of time. You had 30 seconds. We have a limited amount of time. Our supply of this precious commodity is going to soon run out. Wise living demands that we commit ourselves to those things that are important, have a lasting effect. And so I believe that each one of us, because of the shortness and the frailty of our life, that we should join hands and we should kneel down with this psalmist and we should resolve to live every single moment to its fullest. That we should resolve to know God better through Christ and deeper. And that we should give ourselves to meaningful, worthwhile, purposeful work. That's what I believe. And this morning, as we conclude, and we move forward into our invitation, you have an opportunity to make that commitment. Because that commitment is 
Only one you can make. I can't make it for you. Your spouse can. Nobody else can. Question is, wise living in God's eyes. Father, this morning, we love you. And we can reflect back on days gone by. and We can wish for some of that time and some of those decisions, well, to reevaluate them, to change them. But Father, there's no reason to look back. There's really no reason to look forward, with the exception that one of these days we're going to be kneeling before you in heaven and praising you because you are Almighty God and your Son Jesus gave us life everlasting when we asked him after acknowledging our sin. But right now, you've given us today. And God, I pray that today we will make some resolutions. We will make some commitments. We'll choose to make some decisions today that will allow us to live wisely. Father, one of those might be to give our lives to Christ today if we've never done that before. One decision might be to rededicate our lives, to say, God, today, starting today, Forgetting the past, starting today, I want to live every day so that I enjoy your creation. And I savor the moments with loved ones. And God, I want to spend more time in my relationship building with you and intimacy. And God, I, I want to live a purposeful life. And that, that would be a time of rededication. And I pray, God, that those who choose to do that in the moments right now seated and in our invitation they would pray and say God use me use me for something beyond myself and God for those today that say you know this is the place that I want to be a part of to join say I, I desire to serve through this body of Christ Father you bring them but when we step back it's just me and you God, I ask you to speak to me clearly and help me to make the decision that you desire me to make and help me to fulfill it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You'll stand. Let's sing our invitation hymn. You come as God leads you.
and sit down for just a moment. I wanted to let you know that uh, this coming weekend is a very special weekend in our church. Uh, it's been in the, in the works for uh, well over a year. And uh, looking forward to Dr. Jeff Ord and his wife and being with us. Dr. Ord is the, the uh, president of Gateway Seminary. I have known him since 1996. Um, when he was the executive director of the Northwest Baptist Convention, and I moved up to Seattle and uh, to become a pastor. And uh, you know, he is, uh, he is a, a down-to-earth and very wise man. You will love his speaking. He's an author of nine books. Uh, he has led uh, a seminary for the first time in history of any seminary to move the entire campus from Northern California down to Southern California and not miss any teaching time at all. It's pretty remarkable the kind of leader that he has and a sought after speaker in our Southern Baptist Convention. And he'll be with us, uh, he and Ann, on Friday night, on Saturday and on Sunday. Friday night is our, is our dinner. It's not too late to sign up. We want you to sign up. We want you to be there because we want you to hear uh, this man. Um, he is speaking on peace pathways to peace in the present. The present's kind of all messed up. We want peace. Dr. Orge is going to help us to, uh, to kind of gain some pathways, handles on how to accomplish that. Um, that dinner is at 5 o'clock. We will be out of here by 6.30. It's going to be a great fellowship dinner time. Uh, Dickie's Barbecue, because Dr. Orge is looking for the best barbecue around. I don't know if Dickie's is it or not, but it's the one we got. So uh, it'll be a very special time. We look forward to that uh, special music and then what he's going to say. Then on Saturday at 8 o'clock, uh, he'll be speaking to our men. We'll have a men's breakfast. And then the ladies will meet at 11.30 for lunch. And Anne, who is uh, an author as well as uh, numerous other things, uh, with, with so much investment in children and preschoolers and women mentoring them, uh, you will love uh, what, uh, what she will have to say. That's Saturday at 11.30. All those sign-up sheets for all those meals are in either vestibule as you leave before your, uh, but sign up so that we can make sure we have enough food. There's not a cost to it. And then Sunday morning, uh, we will meet in here at nine o'clock. Uh, Dr. Orge will uh, move forward with a, another uh, one, our handle, a pathway to help us uh, in peace. All that information is in the back of your bulletin. Then something kind of fun, we're just gonna do a, an interview with, uh, with Dr. Orge and his wife about how they find peace in the midst of everything that they have gone through. Uh, always look at people like that as not having any issues. My goodness gracious, there have been definitely some issues and they have, uh, they have navigated them well. But uh, you've got to get to know a little bit about them there. And then of course the message, the final message on Sunday morning. So I hope that you will come. I spent some time talking about it. Uh, so please sign up, let's be here and uh, let's really learn what he has to say. Nancy? And then in addition to the barbecue, you will have wonderful side dishes of coleslaw, barbecue beans, and potato salad, so that you will not go away hungry. But we do need you to sign up today. The beautiful flowers on the altar table today are provided by Chuck and Shirley Toon in celebration of their 26th wedding anniversary, which was a
happiness and joy are more important than the cost of each heart to all these little children around the world. No greater need and no greater time than right now for us to go out and serve boldly. This is what these shoeboxes are all about, to go out and bring the hope of Jesus Christ around the world. I'm just so amazed at what God does each and every year. This is an opportunity to impact the lives of millions of children, just like we've seen. But we need more boxes for next year. Every box is an opportunity for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you, and God bless each and every one. Thank you. 